Hello and welcome to Indians on Deck. I am your host, as always, Mash Lichting, joined by Brian Hemminger. Brian, what's up? Oh man, it's uh, lots up. But the what's prospect up? countdown, yeah, the the prospect countdown is done. So I am really excited to talk about it. And then what's next? Lots up. <laughs> okay, no, I just haven't heard that one before. Yeah. And deciding whether I, was just I like trying it or to think not. I was just trying to think of a way to answer that that was relevant to the podcast. So, so we left off last time, uh, I, I think, by touching on the entire top 10 as voted for by Let's Go Tribe readers. And then we touched on guys like Hankins, Classe, Daniel Johnson, and Owen Miller a little bit as we were ending. But we hadn't officially voted on 16 yet at that point. So we've got some guys to talk about at the end of the countdown. And then we were going to touch on one of our favorite things, which is sort of a best of the rest guys who didn't crack it this year, but very well, maybe a name everybody's talking about this time next year, or they're just fun players, kind of like a sick Narf Loopstock, who I think we all knew was probably never going to make it. But that name, mm. I'm not even sure what he's up to anymore. So I'm going to have to look it up. Our now recurring segment, what's Sick Narf doing? Uh, Sick Narf most recently played for Lynchburg in the Cleveland system. Um, he did also play as high as double A in 2018, but in 2019, he played three games. So he may or may not still exist. We don't know for sure. Uh, he was exi- assigned to extended spring training in April of 2019. Okay. Yeah. It, I'm not sure exactly what happened, but in 2019, he was initially assigned to extended spring training with Akron. Then he was assigned to the Lynchburg Hillcats on April 17th. He appeared in three games, batted 200, had a walk and four strikeouts. Oh, backwards, and Francis. Then one week later, he was assigned to extended spring training again, and never appeared in another game. So it does maybe not say we he was released in twenty twenty. It does not say he was released, but he wasn't assigned anywhere in twenty twenty. So I feel like the Indians technically have the rights to his baseball talents, should he choose to utilize them again. Okay, well, he is twenty seven now. I'm so. not, um, catchers develop late, Brian. Well, he's not even playing catcher anymore. He's been playing. Oh, let's no. see. He played. Uh, hang on. In 2019, he's kind of been a little jack of all trades. Uh, he, yeah. In 2019, he played catcher one game and first base two. But in 2018, he did play catcher the entire season. Uh, and 2017, he was catcher, first base, third base, left field, and random outfield that they did not know for sure. So so it sounds like the org kind of always viewed him as a journeyman guy. Uh, so yeah. great if he comes back, he can play wherever for mm-hmm. any team. Um, but just to underline or justify a tangent about Sicknarf Loopstock, this dude is better at baseball than 99.9% of people who have ever lived. 
And he's that close. But he's so not going to play in the majors. Close. Yeah. Yep. And Unlike. the difference isn't that much, but it just yeah, means was, so much. He was an all-star in 2017 in Lynchburg. That was one of his best seasons. He had uh, 17 home runs. He's never had a season with more than five other than that one year. But that also was the one year that he got to play a lot. See? Huh? Anyway, where should we pick up on the countdown? <laughs> uh, well, we pretty much wrapped up the top 10 and we touched on a couple guys after the top 10 because I, I mentioned players that were going to help Cleveland this year. And I say we just start at 11. And if maybe it's a player we touched on last time, we'll, it'll be more abbreviated. <laughs> but yeah. other than that, we'll uh, just keep going. So I say start with 11, So which would be uh, Emmanuel Classe, uh, the flamethrowing reliever that was the headlining piece, the only remaining piece from the Corey Kluber trade uh, at the beginning of uh, last season. Yeah, I got to write the article for him this time since I was picking up Saturdays, parentheses, when I remembered, I'm sorry, Matt, and parentheses. Um, and just going through the video, Indians Pro, God bless Todd, um, caught a video from somewhere of him just blasting these fastballs and sliders by dude in the instructs game, I guess sometime last year in October. Like I'm looking at it again now. What? <laughs> That's not, what is that doing? <laughs> what is that doing at a game where there's a backstop screen two inches behind the ump? You know, that stuff is lethal. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely among the hardest throwing pitchers in all of baseball. And the fact that he can throw, and it's not even like a regular fastball at that that speed, I mean, that just makes him com completely lethal. And the fact that he was still able to do that uh, after testing positive for a banned substance means that, you know, he probably didn't need that banned substance. So, And like his fastball is a cutter, and it doesn't just cut, but it does a thing too. Yeah, it moves. It just whoosh. It kind of reminds me, of uh, Fausto Carmona, if that was his real name, no, it's not. I, it was like Roberto Hernandez or something ridiculous. But um, if you remember watching him pitch, it seemed like he couldn't throw a ball straight to save his life. Everything was just woof, and it would just dive or turn to the side in all kinds of different directions. Like it just left his hand, and then it had a life of its own, even if throwing it 98 or whatever, however hard he threw. Um, that's kind of what it looks like watching Classe. Like he, he does, he throws at a hundred, but he does not throw, you know, just a laser beam, yeah. which is good. Perez is going to put a glove up, up and in. It's going to kind of be understood. Like I'm aiming for the strike zone, man. Like <laughs> put the glove wherever you want. I'm just firing it in there, which should be a lot of fun to watch. We like have a lot of the very pinpoint control guys, so it'll be fun to watch a dude in it, like him and Karen Jack. I think both fit this bill. Where like, no, they just want to blow dudes away. They don't care where the ball goes. They just want to make them look stupid. I think historically he hasn't really had that bad of issues with control, which really does make him exciting. And so far, he's never even pitched like officially in a Cleveland uniform. So with what they do developmental wise with pitchers. I think his strikeout ability is only going to go through the roof. But yeah, I think the 
in uh, 28, starting with uh, 2018, his worst walks per nine innings was, as a member of the Rangers, uh, was 2.3. So that's not even that bad. His his worst numbers, strikeout and walk percentage, were 22.3% strikeouts at the MLB level and 6.4% walk. I mean, that's really good. So you just get the Cleveland developmental staff working with him to refine some things, maybe work on his tunneling. I think those numbers are going to go through the roof. Dude's the closer in my mind. Tito's uh, going to use somebody like Jack. that. I don't think so. I, I I bet you, you watch, maybe not on opening day, but by the beginning of May, Class A is going to be the closer. Like, Karen Chak's going to be eighth or ninth for sure. But I think, I think this dude is going to be so good. And everybody was mad about the Indians not re-signing hand. And in my mind, they were in a position where you lit a somewhat expensive reliever who may not be very great again, go. And somehow your bullpen gets better because of development and Classe coming back and guys like Sandlin that are right there and Sam Henkis, who might end up blasting out of nowhere as a reliever sometime soon as 100-mile-an-hour left-handed throwing dudes do. Um, My retort is that Class A's strikeout rate, strikeout percentage was 22% at the major league level in 2019, and Karen Chex was 48.6 last year. (laughs) Like, he was sixth in Rookie of the Year voting as a reliever. No, I think you're right that, and and, and even if Class A is the better reliever, and I think that he is, Karen Jack, you need to put him on in a situation where nobody's on base. <laughs> They're Karen Jack, obviously, fun. the volatility is there where the walk rate is twice what uh, Class A's is, but he counters that with, I mean, 2019, his strikeout rate was 66.7% in double A. He had a yeah. He had a brief stat, stretch, if you remember, when he went down to rookie ball, and his strikeout rate was seventy two point seven percent. So my my thought is that Karen Chak, with at, at the start of a fresh inning, nobody's going to score. That's insane. So he'll close that every time. Him coming on with like runners on first and second and one out. I would rather be handing the ball to Classe in that situation. So I think in my yeah, mind, Classe no, is the totally better reliever, understand. but Karen Chak's. You're right. Karen Jack's going to be the guy. And he's got that. I tried to hustle W and I'm like giving up on the argument now. (laughs) Well, he's also got that psycho mentality that you kind of want out of the closer. (laughs) Like some guy that's just going to come in and sprint to the mound and start eating the dream, scream into his glove and fist pump and finger gun and you name it. So uh, that that's the guy I want as my closer. But I want Class A as my eighth inning guy. It's probably not even going to happen right away. I mean, we've got some pretty dependable people even losing Brad Hand. So I, I, Whitgren will probably be eighth inning right away. But if Class A comes in and just starts destroying people, I mean, it's only a matter of time, I think. Just because Whitgren, as, as good as he is, he doesn't throw 100 miles an hour. Our number 12 prospect is Daniel Johnson. And now uh, we're safe. Uh, yeah. And Johnson, you know, that's another guy that 
I almost feel for him a little bit because with the signing of Eddie Rosario, his opportunities just went down quite a bit. I mean, at the moment, Rosario is going to be taking up left field the entire season as long as he's healthy. I mean, that's a given. He can hit both left-handed and right-handed in pitching. He's playing every day. That takes up a spot. Um, And then you've got most likely a platoon in right field of Jordan Luplo with whichever left-handed hitter they're going to be placing out there. So that will be an opportunity for uh, Zimmer, for Daniel Johnson, for Jake Bowers, for Josh Naylor. So those are all lefties. Can you blame the Indians on rolling the dice on all of these left-handed power guys, though? Like, one of them's got to hit and be at least close to Jim Tomey, right? Eventually? Well... Jim Tomey's is a stretch, but I understand. I'd take half and then, the and war. Then you've got, I'd take yeah, a quarter and then, of the war. And then you've got Nolan Jones coming up after his 60 days are up of detention. Uh, that also is a lefty that can, that's going to be slotting in at corner outfield since they moved him out there. And then center field, Johnson will also have a ch- chance for that. But but you got to think Mercado will be given the first opportunity, but uh, he could be splitting time with Mercado at center as well. So he's going to have a chance to play right field or center. I just want Oscar Mercado to finally embrace his destiny and just become the Rajai Davis fourth outfielder that we deserve. Well, I would love it if he was our starting center fielder forever, but well, we'll I I would too. I just I mean, he so he feel showed like so many glimpses. He has. He showed so many good glimpses in 2019. I mean, getting bumped to number 2 in the batting order and getting consistent at bats, like important at bats. Like I really felt like that was the guy in 2019, and then that didn't happen in 2020. And you can't blame him. I mean, I really think some guys just all of a sudden, after not knowing if they were going to be playing baseball, they're playing baseball, and something like a rhythm that they have seven or eight years of experience with before is now this completely weird whatever thing, and it's supposed to be their prove-it year? Like, fuck that. That's tough. This this is... Johnson's prove it year. I mean, he got 13 plate appearances last year, so he's going to have a chance in spring training. First impressions matter, and he did come in and he was swinging at everything out of the zone and striking out a lot and got one walk and one single. And that was, you know, the extent of his contributions. This is going to be, though, a much bigger opportunity. And then you also got to factor in that. Uh, Bowers and Naylor potentially could be uh, trying in for first base. That could open up a slot for the right field as well. But Johnson's going to have to come in and and do something because he's going to have to beat some people out. I just don't have a sense of him yet. You know, like Naylor in what we saw, dude looks like a big leaguer. Yeah, he is. He'll be around. He absolutely is. Um, Daniel Johnson, I don't know that we've seen quite enough, but it, it he does seem like a guy where it's very easy with his tools to imagine him just sort of flipping the switch and he's like, oh, this is how I use them. Alright. Maybe not quite the Jose Bautista moment, but something like that where it all comes together. Because he has it all. I mean, he's got a, a cannon arm. He's fast. He stole a lot of bases in the minor leagues. He has the power potential and he can, can hit. Uh, he just needs to to put it all together at the major league level. And that's asking a lot, though. Nobody says no to a plus glove in center with a little bit of pop. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Who was next? Yeah, next up, we've got Owen Miller. Now, this is somebody that pe- most people probably aren't very familiar with. 
um, when you think of that Mike Clevenger trade, uh, Miller was an ex- one of the extra pieces. He was not the top piece. The top piece was uh, Gabriel Arias, um, the, the shortstop that can hit like 17 home runs or whatever as a 20-year-old, I think, or 19-year-old maybe. Owen Miller is a guy that reminds me a lot of Richard Palacios, if you remember him. Basically, Palacios was signed by Cleveland uh, as an advanced uh, college middle infielder, and he torched the ball at every level he played. He started at the rookie league, was like there a week, went to Mahoning Valley, low A, short season, was there for like a month, and they pulled him up to single a lake county and he torched the ball there too like he was on the fast track he was on the fast track and uh palacios then like tore his labrum the next uh, spring training and missed the entire 2019 season he was probably going to be like starting the year at high a with a chance to get to like triple a if he kept doing what he was doing um and then we haven't seen him yet because <laughs> then he missed all of 2020 as well and he probably, I don't think he got invited to the taxi squad. Basically, Owen Miller is what Palacios would have been if he hadn't got hurt. He debuted in 2018, just like Palacios. Uh, he was drafted uh, in the third round. I think Palacios also was a third round pick by the Indians. So I'm, I'm talking like these guys are parallels. Okay. Okay. Like this, And this guy batted uh, 335. Uh, slash 335 with 395 on base and 440 slugging at low A in his debut. Like they put him straight to low A and he just mashed the ball um, and got a midseason promotion to single A full season uh, where he happened to have a WRC plus of 145 <laughs> at single A. So 336 slash with a 368 on base and 495 uh, slugging. So the next season, his first actual, like that was the year he got drafted, by the way. Like he just got drafted. They just plugged him in and that's what he did. Uh, and then Miller, the next season, they literally skipped high A. It was like if he was with Cleveland and they skipped previously what would have been Lynchburg. Now it's kind of weird because Lynchburg and Lake County are flip-flopped. But he skipped high A entirely, went straight to double A, which would have been Akron with Cleveland. Uh, and at hot at double a, he spent the entire season there and slash two ninety with three fifty five on base percentage and four thirty slugging had a career best, uh, walk rate and, a finished with a, uh, 121 WRC plus in his first full season. So, and that was 2019, that was two years ago. So, and that was at double a, so this guy is major league ready right now. Yes. Like if we hadn't uh, signed, re-signed Cesar Hernandez, I think Owen Miller would have been one of the top contenders to compete for the starting second base job right off the bat. Or at least worst case, like the utility guy, like his bat, yeah, his bat's ready to go. Yeah. He's primarily played shortstop. I think uh, I've read that his arm isn't the greatest, but he's also played a little third where your arm needs to be even stronger than shortstop. So it sounds like he's mobile enough to play anywhere, but he's probably going to end up at second by the time he makes it to the majors. I mean, this year, he's probably going to start the season out at AAA and be ready for whenever Cleveland needs him. 
Like he's good to go. Like this is a guy that I think is going to be able to help Cleveland a lot. Finding it, finding a spot for him will be interesting though. Uh, Cesar hits the 15 day. Is he the guy we call? Like, is he the next guy up? Do you think in that situation? Well, we'll still have, I think you Chang. So it'll be like between Chang and Ernie Clement. Or Clement. Is Owen on the 40 man? Owen. Is he on the 40 man? I don't know. Because um, if he's not yet, then you're right. I don't think. They I, I don't think. No, I don't think he is. It wouldn't make like he's only been drafted. Like he's only played a year and a half of. So he had, didn't have to be added. He did. He he's still not eligible to be Rule Five drafted yet, and he's already at AAA. So that's how fast this guy flown through the system, or he's going to be a AAA. But I mean, he he potentially could have made the big league club last year if uh, they'd had a minor league season. If there'd have been baseball. So. Yeah, if there had been baseball, he, I mean, that's this guy, rocket ship. So, uh, and he's performed at every level, like well above average. So, uh, yeah, this is, this is a guy that people should be excited about. I think he could have been higher, but people just didn't know him yet because first off, he's not been in the minor leagues very long. And second, you know, he's not somebody that people have uh, seen in Cleveland in the minor leagues at all. So coming over like I'm telling you right now that Clevenger trade is looking better and better and better every time I look at the the prospects we got back whoa the Clevenger trade wasn't there another player who was part of that on this countdown was his name our number 14 Cleveland prospect Joey Cantillo it is wild so (laughs) unbelievable (laughs) I didn't even mean to set myself up like that but um I'm here for you uh so now Cantillo was another player in that Clevenger trade. He was the third prospect. So out of all the guys that we got in that trade, I think we ended up getting, was it five or six uh, players? Because uh, at the major league level, we got Quantrill and Hedges and Naylor. Um, so those none of those were rookies anymore. Um, and then at the minor league level, we got Arias, who came in, I think, at number six on our list. And then Miller, 13, and Cantillo now. I mean, this kid is super talented. He really is. Um, And he's the type that is a crazy hard worker because there aren't a lot of guys that are making top 20 prospect lists as that weren't top 10 draft picks. And this guy was a 16th rounder uh, for the Padres. And, I mean, barely got a chance the year he was drafted. And then... He was able to uh, repeat at the Arizona Rookie League. When you repeat at the Arizona Rookie League, they're basically saying, okay, I guess show us what you got or we're cutting you like within a couple months. Like that's kind of what they're saying. Like it's, it, it is scary if you repeat at that low of a level. Um, and he showed him what he's got. I mean, everything improved. Uh, he got 11 starts. Um, and had a 2.18 ERA uh, with a less than a one whip uh, and struck out 58 guys in 45 innings. And that was back in 2018. And that earned him a promotion straight over, skipping over low A, catching back up with, if not surpassing, a lot of the players that he was in the AZL with the year before and going straight to Lake Count or uh, Fort Wayne tin caps. Uh, regular single A in 2018. And then uh, 2019, he again starts this repeats to start that year. 
and just blows people away. I mean, uh, he's coming in and he struck out 128 batters over 98 innings with a 1.93 ERA. Whip was down to 0.87. Um, opposing batters batted 173 against him. So, uh, yeah, he got pitcher of the week three times in the Midwest League during that stretch. And player of the month. Not not pitcher of the week or whatever. I'm talking player of the month in the Midwest League. Uh, and during that stretch... He pitched 25 innings, struck out 30, and walked one. <laughs> so, I mean, does that not scream Indians prospect to you? It's just this lefty that the Padres tossed in the deal. And that was basically the last throw-in guy. It was the last throw-in guy. The, the Where lowest are the Padres going to stop giving us these guys? It's like, this is why the Indians keep trading, is it's like... yeah. We just get so, these guys as whatever pieces, and then what? Like this, this dude sounds like he could have meaningful starts this season. Absolutely, he could. Um, now, the, the highest level he got to was High A in 2019, but he did it as you know he was drafted out of high school. So, so he's only been uh, in the minors for three seasons. I think he's 21, maybe 20, and. You know, this is definitely somebody to keep an eye on. I mean, he's almost certainly going to start the year at double A, I think, because he was on their taxi squad the whole last season, getting to play against some of the best guys in the Padres organization. Um, And then he got to play against some of the best guys in Cleveland's organization. So now he's going to be, I would consider that your high A season. Um, So I would expect him to start this year at double A and he's not that far away. Um, so he doesn't have the pedigree of a stud prospect, but he's worked himself and performed at the level of a top prospect. So, I mean, honestly, he's performed better than the level of a top prospect because a lot of times a top prospect, their numbers are going to be, you know, good sometimes, maybe not great, but they only cared about, you know, is he throwing harder? Is he, you know, is he getting his change up located like that they care about but this guy's performing like he basically forced them to pay attention to him and he he just soared up the prospect rankings heading into the 2020 season and obviously that didn't happen but this is this is a guy to really pay attention to i mean he instantly becomes one of the top left-handed arms in cleveland system so now the number 15 prospect as voted for by readers of let's go tribe was the one and only bobby bradley to me this feels like prospect fatigue setting settling in uh i mean bradley didn't do anything wrong i mean the year before when he actually did get to play at the uh in 2019 he led all of triple a in home runs so it's not like he was doing anything that bad it's just he didn't get to play last year because I mean, maybe people think a little less of him because they didn't give him an opportunity last season, but where was he going to play? You had Fran Mil Reyes as the permanent DH all last season. And then you had Carlos Santana as the permanent first base all last season. And those guys played every day. They weren't hurt. They, I don't even know if they missed a game. So, you know, he had no place to, to play. I mean, he t- he's not going to be demanding, you know, shortstop. So, uh, Bobby Bradley is a first base or a DH. I mean, that is where he's going to play. He's a big boy. So um, he didn't get a chance last year. So it sucks for him. But with Santana gone, he has every opportunity 
to become the starting first baseman this year. And as we've seen, when this guy hits the ball, it goes a long way. I mean, first major league at bat, just cracked a, a double, I think, oppo. Uh, and then he hit one of the longest, hardest home runs of the StatCast era to find, when he finally did get a hold of one. He just dropped it on the concourse and right like it was no big deal. <laughs> That's a bomb. I have watched that home run so many times. Like, the the dugout was pumped. Like, I think the second he touched it, Matt Underwood's like, Bobby, boom! <laughs> <laughs> I love when Underwood forgets himself a little bit and gets pumped up like that. I wish he'd do I it mean, more. he just crushed it. So, we want to see more of that. Now, he's going to have to drop that strikeout rate. He, he struck out in 40.8% of his at-bats when he got his uh, cup of coffee. So he he struggled around that 30% range throughout his minor league career. If he can at least get down to that, I think he's got a chance. He just has to has to do that. The good news is Bradley was moving up. Starting at double-A, they started repeating him a little bit. Like, I think because they had some people ahead of him, like Nelly Rodriguez and Jesus Aguilar. Um, so... He repeated at double A, and when he repeated at double A, he did way better, and he reduced his strikeout rate. Then he got a chance at triple A. Numbers weren't great right away. Repeated there, and then ended up uh, blasting 33 home runs at triple A and leading all of triple A level in home runs. You know, he got a small he got a small cup of coffee at the major league level. Now that he gets another chance, is he going to take advantage of it? And I hope he does because, you know, this guy absolutely can play first base he's not a terrible first baseman um and he can absolutely crush the ball so i want to see him get on base more i want to see him make a little bit more consistent contact and you know maybe be a little bit more selective with what he's swinging at and hopefully uh we get to see a lot more bobby booms in uh 2021 he's one of the main reasons why if things go south early I hope that they commit to it just being a let the kids play kind of season. Like, sure, maybe we trade a couple dudes and lose 70 games, but at least we get to see Bobby Bradley hit 42 home runs or something stupid while batting 202. And like Daniel Johnson steals 60 bases, even if he gets thrown out 40 times. Like, at least we get to see these kids out there having fun. The thing that just stood out to me was Bradley was has been ranked in the LGT top 20 prospect lists since 2015. Seven years, right? Seven Basically. years. Yep. He was, uh, he's never, he's he, the highest he ever was, was number three back in 2018. I, I think it's prospect fatigue more than anything. I mean, he's been in the system so long. I mean, he's still not that old. He's like 24. Yeah. And I think our, our fandom Indians fans in general have this weird thing with prospects where if they don't nail it, as soon as they come up, they're like, Oh, I guess he's not real. Like forgetting that Jose Ramirez had like a season and a half of debatable effectiveness as a utility player before he became. Yeah, it took him two years to really become a guy, the guy. And and that included multiple trips up and down to Cleveland and back to Triple uh, A. So sometimes you got to be a little patient with these guys. Give them a chance to fail and then give them another chance. One opportunity at 40% strikeout rate does not make a player, but. He's also, you know, Jose Ramirez wasn't striking out that much at any level when he was playing either. So you got to remember that as well. Um, 
So we'll see. I mean, Bradley is going to get every chance. Um, he's going to be competing at first base with probably Jake Bowers and maybe Josh Naylor, uh, maybe Framiel Reyes. I don't know, but uh, there's going to be an opportunity for him. So it's just up to him to take advantage of it and stand out from the crowd and get those MLB at bats because he has about the same strikeout rate or and contact rate left or right. So uh, if he can be an everyday guy, this is his year to do it. I kind of like that the Indians are sort of collecting a bunch of 6'3 dudes who can hit the ball a mile but swing at everything. We have like five. Uh, I can of tell them. you right now, Bobby Bradley is like six foot or six foot one. Franmil Reyes, I saw both of them next to each other at uh, Tribe Fest in like 2019, I think. It looks like a completely different person. Uh, or no, it, it, no, it was last year. It was last year because it was right before the pandemic hit. Framiel Reyes made Bobby Bradley look like a little boy in terms of like just man meat. Like he was. <laughs> uh, I understand what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> he is. He is huge. So. <laughs> but Bobby Bradley is still Bobby Boom. Mm-hmm. He does. And hopefully we get to see him do it consistently. Moving on. We got uh, Eli Morgan, number 16 on the top 20. Um, you know, this is a guy that I think we've liked for a long time. Drafted out of Gonzaga. I mean, you, you never hear about Gonzaga baseball, right? He has just been Mr. Consistent. He finally kind of had that breakout moment. Like he was good at every level that he played at. He had that breakout a little bit in 2019. That's the year that he started at high A and then he just destroyed at high A and earned a promotion to double A pitched extremely effectively at double A and actually earned a spot start at triple A. So in one season, he got, you know, one level away from Cleveland and that was two years ago. So I was wondering if they were going to give him a chance or he was just going to be one of those guys, like a depth guy. And I think that season kind of cemented him as a guy that could get an opportunity at the major league level. Like they added him to the 40 man roster to protect him from the rule five draft. So. I think that speaks volumes. So if they need somebody to step, I mean, he's going to get a chance to earn the number five spot out of the rotation uh, to start the year. Now, I don't think he's going to get it. I think you've just got too many people ahead of them uh, duking it out there, like some really top rated people that are that have performed already at the major league level. But he's going to be in that mix. So I'm really excited to see what uh, what happens with Eli Morgan. I mean, the guy's only five foot ten. Yeah, he's only five foot ten and throws in the low nineties. Matt tops out in the low nineties, but he has led all Cleveland pitchers in strikeouts for the past three years, like in the minor league level. That's amazing. It is. And Eli Morgan is a great baseball name. So he's gotta do well. Them's and the you know rules. what? He he could have been higher on the list. The I didn't even remember, think to add him until we were voting for number sixteen. And he took 46% of the vote uh, competing against nine other people. So It's hard when just, you get to this level in the Indian system because there's... Yeah, I should have had him in earlier because he could have been higher for sure. Angel Martinez is our 17th player on the prospect countdown. And Angel Martinez, basically, when you think of like the 2000s, was it 17 or 16 international class um, that had Valera and Rocchio and... Uh, Baracco and all those guys. Um, Martinez 
was one of the top guys the next year. Uh, he's basically a year younger than all of them. And so far, he hasn't done anything beyond play at the uh, Dominican Summer League. But he was good there. I mean, really good. So, I mean, you talked about it a little bit. But, I mean, that slash, mm, at 17 years old, slashing 306 with a 402 on base percentage. That's stupid good. <laughs> yeah, that is stupid good. And you, I, I'll let you explain the torrid stretch he had that brought him to your attention. He hit 522-593-783, and he slugged it the old-fashioned way. He hit a couple of doubles and a couple of triples. And then, because the man's never satisfied with a single base, he stole four of them to just tack on to his singles. Um, That's a pretty good couple of weeks. That'll do. That's a really, really good couple of weeks. And he had a really good season. He's a switch hitter. Um, He's crazy fast he gets on base he has a good eye at the plate and he makes consistent contact like and at the moment it's doubles triples contact but oh baby if he can just add that little bit of pop um he instantly becomes a top 10 guy like there are people that already think he could be but this is going to be a massive opportunity for him i think he's probably going to start the year at full season like uh Lynchburg now Lynchburg was uh, moved to the regular single a um, and Lake County's now high a, I think he's going to start at Lynchburg. I think he's going straight there. Cause I mean, but if you think about it, 2020 would have been his AZL season, if not an opportunity to play at low a, which doesn't exist anymore. Uh, the Mahoning Valley. Um, so this year would have been, I would expect his full season debut. So I think he's going to start at Lynchburg and he has the potential, you know, he goes out there and just starts raking at Lynchburg. Um, then, you know, this kid, the sky's the limit with him. Like we just, we just haven't seen enough, but what we've seen so far has been really, really good. So I'm very excited about him. He's, he's the one he's like the Rokio of that, uh, that class at this moment. I just have to roll my eyes at the Indians a little bit. Cause it's like, Another switch hitting middle infielder who is just mashing extra base hits now and is clearly going to start hitting home runs when he's fully grown. Like, where do they find these fucking guys? Like, they just where they are clearly they clearly have a blueprint of what they're looking for. And some guys check these boxes, they sign them. And and what's been wild has been how many of them have been hitting lately. Uh, I mean, they're going to have to do something about it because I think next year they've got about 14 people that are Rule 5. I mean, there's more than that. There's about to be about 14 people that they need to protect that are going to get drafted by other teams <laughs> next this this November. So they're either going to have to make a big roster purge to make space for these guys, or they're going to have to start trading, especially with uh, some middle infield positions because they are running out of room quickly. But Angel Martinez is somebody that you need to make room for because he could be really good. He's still a little bit of, bit of a ways away, but he'll he'll be getting all the way up. I'm just really excited to see, to actually get to see him play because, I mean, I was just looking at box scores in 2019, um, you know, you don't really get to see any uh, footage of the games in the, the DSL. So this year, you know, I've got that 
uh, minor league uh, subscription to watch games and a lot of single leg games, especially in the, the Carolina League, are televised. So I am going to watch as many chances and as many of his games as I can because I just I want to see what this guy looks like. That's the thing I'm most excited for this year is a lot of these young guys are going to be visible for the first time. That's a good point, because when they're at the lower levels, you get the numbers, but you don't usually have a chance to. Yeah, there's there's really no footage of DSL, AZL, and very rarely low A before that got taken away. But like there was like one one team they would play and they'd have to be playing away and you would get to watch some footage of a low A game. So now now you get to watch just about everything. We tend to ridicule the eye test now, but there is something to it because we can we can sit here and talk about George Valera until our throats dry up and we die, which we may do throughout the course of this season. But you don't really like you can nod your head and go, OK, I get it. But then you see a video of him hitting a ball and you're like, oh, I understand. He's that guy. Got it. Like, it makes sense now. I get why you're excited about this dude. So it'll be exciting to see the guys around that like late teenage age in the lower levels of the minors. Finally, we don't just get these clips that surface magically. We actually get to see them in games. Another player that I'm really excited to see in games is our number 18 guy, Lenny Torres, somebody that easily could be a top 10 prospect if not for the fact that he had Tommy John surgery following his uh, debut 2018 season. Um, He was lights out in uh, the Arizona Rookie League, like standout, like the best pitcher at that level. Um, that's what, according to like uh, baseball America and stuff, uh, some scouts were saying basically that season, they said that the two best players was the best pitcher was Lenny Torres. The best, uh, position player was Brian Rocchio. So Cleveland had, uh, some really good first impressions down there, but as Torres was preparing for the 2019 season, he tore a ligament in his elbow, missed the whole season with Tommy John surgery and, then 2020, the season that he would have been able to come back, global pandemic hits. So he has not pitched in two seasons completely. So this will be his uh, his time to shine, basically. But I'm concerned, Brian. How did his recovery from Tommy John surgery go? Well, uh, if uh, the little laugh was maybe you talking about how hard he was throwing, but he was hitting 97 miles an hour in a bullpen session against live batters. So it looks like he's good to go because that's about what the scouting report said was, you know, he tops out in the upper 90s. This is a guy that if healthy and able to to start again, inst- like he has electric stuff. I mean, throws hard, yeah, throws hard, wicked movement on his uh, breaking pitches. Um, and he's a guy that uh, is from New York. So a cold climate pitcher that has a ton of room for growth. So... Um, as long as he has taken advantage of this downtime, like, and especially missing all of 2020, I mean, I don't know how much of a training wheels they're going to use with him. Like they might just throw him right into the fire a little bit. So, I mean, he was at the AZL, the next level is single A now. So I would think that they're going to debut him in full season. You know, this guy was drafted, Torres was drafted the same uh, year as uh, Ethan Hankins. So 
he's somebody that I really, really like. Like he, he's got that good makeup and I mean, there was some really good story written about him and his dad. Um, you should definitely check it out if you haven't already. Uh, but um, he is taking the best of uh, the opportunity given to him. And it seems like he attacked that uh, rehab very aggressively. So I think that he's going to get stretched out to full starts by the end of this season. So it, it just depends uh, how cautious the, the Cleveland brass wants to be with this guy. But um, I mean, he's got really good stuff and he's got the potential to be an impact arm in a, in a rotation. And he's still just like 19 or 20 years old. So, and we'll get to watch him play too. I would think elegant segue. Scott Moss is our number 19th prospect this season. Yeah. And uh, Moss is another guy kind of like Eli Morgan. That's really close to the show that, that was the first time I put him in the rankings and he murdered everybody in the votes. So that was another, you know, my bad guys. Um, he probably would be ranked higher. Uh, he beat the next closest person by 25% of the vote. So, and that's out of 10 other, you know, 10 total selections. So clearly he was uh, under ranked here. So he's probably at least a couple spots higher. But another really intriguing left-handed pitching option. And uh, this guy is another one that's going to be competing for that number five spot in the rotation. Um, If you remember when, you know, before we got the word that the Indians were going to give Tristan McKenzie his pro debut, there were some rumors floating around, like, who's going to get that start? Like, I was hearing hearing Sam Hentges. I was hearing Scott Moss. I was hearing Logan Allen. And I was hearing Tristan McKenzie. But Scott Moss, I mean, that could have been him last year instead of Tristan McKenzie. Uh, He has really good strikeout stuff. He had a ridiculous 2019 season, especially after Cleveland acquired him. Like, he was good before that, but not, like, elite. And then all of a sudden, he just turned into Superman when he got drafted. Superman. Uh, he he really did. Uh, he made two starts at Double A uh, after the Indians acquired him. Went ten innings, no earned runs, thirteen strikeouts. Like just murdered people. So he got called up, and you would think in your debut at Triple A that you're going to struggle a little bit. But four starts, he went eighteen point two innings, one point nine three ERA, and he posted career best uh, strikeout rates. So this is this is a guy to keep an eye on, but we haven't seen him be elite for an extended period of time. It was just that quick stretch right after he was acquired. So is he going to be able to prove that over an over a full season? Um, I mean, he's definitely going to be at least starting the year at Triple uh, A, but uh, he was added to the forty man roster, so he's another guy that's right there. So. Worst case scenario, this is a guy that's going to fill in for spot starts for Cleveland. Um, but best case, he joins the rotation. I mean, he's got a legitimate chance. Yeah. Uh, it it only, looks like yeah. the the mysterious absence of left-handed starting pitching in Cleveland may come to an end this year. Yeah, this is definitely the guy that's closest to, to getting that chance, other than him and uh, Logan Allen Sr., I guess, because <laughs> we've got two Logan Allens now, uh, and they're... But uh, and they're both Logan Allen's are left handed starting pitching prospects. Couldn't one of them switch hit or something? Come on, guys. <laughs> I think the the way I tell them apart is 
I use the middle initial of the other guy. I say Logan T. Allen. So ah, <laughs> but uh, it's going to be you know him and Logan Allen, two two of the guys fighting for that number five starting spot. Cal Quantrill, Logan Allen, Scott Moss, maybe Sam Henkes if he, and that's another lefty. Um, yeah, if they use him as a starter, a couple pretty intriguing arms in that little mix. But and Eli Morgan, so. I think any of them could probably handle it. It's just a little bit of a bummer in this the in the Indian system. Like these are all guys that could conceivably have a shot somewhere else, but they're just sort of stuck up and down I seventy one. And don't forget, you know, Adam Pletko is still a thing, and so that's uh, <laughs> another one. <laughs> it's true. Um, oh, so. I'm worried that might become a segment. <laughs> but uh, they've added. Uh, they've also got some guys on the 40 man that also are starters like, like Carlos Vargas and um, Jean Carlos Mejia. Uh, there's, there's going to be several people that are going to have that, that chance. But uh, I think uh, speaking of uh, Carlos Vargas, he's our final guy. He's number 20, oh, number 20, number 20. So can you explain to our listeners what the one thing is about Vargas that makes him stand out? Can I explain it to you? No. Yeah, like, oh, <laughs> I forgot. It's, okay, he throws 100 miles an hour as a starter. Oh, so thank you. Consistent. He can consistently throw 100 miles an hour. He really hasn't put up, you know, elite numbers yet, but he's also still really young. But you know, this is this is a guy to be excited about. He really is. Um, uh, he is one of our best international prospect pitchers signings. You always hear about the position players that are tearing it up, like the Valeras, the Rocchios, the uh, Angel Martinez's, the Broncos. Um, but it's Vargas and his fastball that hits 100 miles an hour that is really, really intriguing. Like he cut down on his walk rate, I think, by almost a third in uh, 2019. And he had a couple, you know, he was a little inconsistent. He had a couple really bad starts, but he's a guy that throws 100 miles an hour with a slider in the low 90s. It's crazy to think we're at a point where a dude throws 100 and we're like, oh, he could add, he could add one or two more. Mm -hmm. Like if he bulks up, he could totally legitimately (laughs) just say like, no, I'm just going to lock in at 100 and not explode my body. Yeah. He's not quite, you know, McKenzian. But, you know, 6'3", 180 pounds, I mean, he definitely could be a little bigger and stronger, and that could make him that much more devastating. So uh, I'm I'm excited to see what he's going to do, because the last time we saw him, he was at low A Mahoning Valley. That was 2019. So depending on, and then Cleveland adds him to the 40 man to protect him from the rule five. So, I mean, that means they thought that somebody was going to give him a chance at the major league level this year. So I would think that he would skip uh, single A and go to straight, at least to high A this year. Um, Because, I mean, you don't want a guy taking up spots on your roster that's four levels away. I mean, it seems like they must really think highly of this kid if they're going to be adding him to that roster that early. But no, he's he's, he's definitely somebody to keep an eye out on. uh, And you're going to see, I'll probably be posting a lot of highlights of him because... He, him and Espino and probably Henkis are the three hardest throwers in the system at the moment. They're kind of similar. I know Henkis is a lefty, but they're kind of similar in velocities and arsenals too. I can't wait to see if he's going to be like in a rotation with Espino, you know, like just, just imagine having to, you're like a 19 year old kid 
and you got to face back-to-back starting pitchers that throw 100 miles an hour with wicked secondary pitches. So, like, I'm really going to try my best if uh, to, to go out and see some of these guys in person this year, too, if I'm allowed. Because, you know, they're all going to be close other than uh, Lynchburg. But Lake County, Akron, Columbus, you know, that's not that far of a drive for me living uh, in, you know, an hour north of Columbus. So I'm going to, I'm going to make, take, try to take the best of this uh, opportunity this year. But Carlos Vargas is a guy that I really want to see this year. Like he's probably other than, you know, Espino and Hankins, he might be the guy I want to see the most. Yeah. And if you are able to make it out to games, we should definitely have you give us your, um, eyewitness scouting reports on guys and i am not a scout i I will start by saying i am not a scout sure but it's still fun to talk about when you finally get to see a guy you know and i i just really want to get a chance to to see them hopefully uh get a chance to interview some of them as well like they're usually they're pretty good about that like the last time i covered a game i got to go down into the dugout and interview adam pletko right after he got promoted to triple a hey there you go that was fun so it's been a while but uh, I want to do more of that kind of stuff. We'll definitely keep an eye on that. And we were going to do our best of the rest uh, guys that didn't quite make the list this year. I say we save it I, for next week. I think that'll be perfect. So I'm going to close this out for week two with another beautiful poem from a poet laureate of the podcast, E.E. E. Gammings. Brian, are you, are you ready? Let's do it. File your darkness to the other side of the vagabonds like a pot that gave a contract to obey you. We are stupid. Nick Whitgren hits a home 